Welcome, welcome, welcome to uh, another episode of Ask Archie King Soccer Podcast Show. I'm sitting here with Kerry King, and he's smiling right now, like you heard, and he's laughing right now, which is really good. See, I mean, you are very uppity right now. I am, man. You just I introduced the show as if it was like a talk show, where now I'm your guest. But no, you are my partner in this <clears throat> podcast, man. We got this. We got this. Yeah, I mean, ask me why. Why are you so uppity? I mean, I played my first 11-side game in a long time, and that was, uh, it was amazing, man. Like, finally to go out in a important game, the first game of the season, yes, some seriousness in it, and uh, to play striker or right defender, which do you think I played? <laughs> I know, it's two <laughs> different positions, right? Uh, I played right defender, yeah. because Kerry was there at the game. Yeah, I saw you collate actually right after me. Yes. Uh, also, obviously, first game of the season, first uh, first competitive game of 11 aside in yeah. several months. And it was great to be out there. How did it go for you? Uh, we started the first half good, 1-0. Yeah, I, I saw the first half. So. And the second half, we collapsed. Like, boom, we crashed down. We lost the game 5-1, to one, which was uh, humiliating in one way. That's unfortunate. With, uh, I think you saw the end of my game. Yeah. We actually went into a 2-0 lead and we're looking really good. The other team didn't really create a whole lot of chances. Um, but then we gifted them a couple unfortunate, unforced errors in the back and we just sort of gifted them uh, both of their goals and ended up tying 2-2. Um, but we still, sorry, we still, we finished on the front foot. We could have scored more. We looked very positive the yeah. entire game. Um, we kind of want to forget the second yeah, half. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask yeah. kind of that contrast. Yeah, we want to forget that second half. How do you think yeah. you, you cope from that? It's basically like, forget it. Like, doesn't mean anything at this point, you know? It, we we did a bad half and uh, there's not much to think about, to be honest. We collapsed. We didn't work hard enough and lost a lot of spaces. I mean, you saw... I made some good runs as a right defender, but we didn't really have that type of runs from the midfield and strikers in the second half. I see. So we couldn't create anything, really. I mean, you know, it's a little bit of coach's job to change the game or control the game or give directions in, in, in a game. And we both coach uh, weekly and we have games weekends, right? But right now... When you look at the, one of the top coaches in the world, they, it feels like they've done everything, right? Mm. What do I mean by that? I mean, they have played and had an amazing career as a soccer player. And then they brought in their own philosophy more or less into their coaching too. Mm. Uh, we know, who who do we know? No, Zinedine Zidane, yeah. Pep Guardiola, Carlo Ancelotti. Right. Who else? Antonio Conte, Conte right? right. And we can kind of trace back to the men's soccer. You know, last week we had Gunnar Nordahl's son, Thomas Nordahl, talking about his dad's prime time in the 1950s. Yeah. That's a lot of focus on the men's. You know, we had an episode about Alfredo Di Stefano. Uh, Who else do we know? Well, look at the top, let's say, we just talk about a lot of club coaches currently. Yeah. Look at the top national team coaches, and you have mm. you have Didier Deschamps, mm. head coach of France, right? Who World Cup winning captain. Also in the past, you've had Tony Di Chico, who coached the U.S. Uh, to victory in the 1999 uh, Women's World Cup. Okay. And uh, currently, you have 
Jill Ellis, who just won the World Cup in Canada two years ago. For me, the one of the most, honestly, I say this honestly, one of the most iconic coaches that I've seen in my lifetime was uh, Pia Sundhage, mm. coach of the women, U.S. women's, just as I was really, around the time as I was still sort of really getting into soccer. I've been yeah. playing soccer for a couple years or so, but I really became fanatic around the time uh, during the years while Pia was coach. And uh, she was... She coached the U.S. to to Olympic successes, World Cup final, and the U.S. was really the had to be the in my opinion, in my eyes anyway, it was the best team. Yeah, uh, in the women's game, you had competition from Germany and Brazil, but for me, the U.S. was the team to beat. And f- for me, Pia means a lot too. I mean, she lived in Erebro, she coached Keith Erebro, and uh, you know when she. When came back to Swedish national team, we you know it felt like yes, now we are having one of the top coach in the world because Pia is amazing in so many different ways. She was young when she started, and uh, she played while a lot of people were kind of against girls to play soccer, mm. and uh, they were like no way for women's soccer players to earn money through it but she moved to US to play soccer she moved she done yes to Italy to play for Lazio like she got on challenges she pushed herself she went to uncomfortable situations you know to China to be a soccer coach but always been so true to herself and herself always just listen to this what she did as her speech when she got elected as the best women's coach in the world. So you have the picture. We have a person that has years of experience of playing soccer and being a coach in so many different situations and so many different victories. I think someone that's true to herself and not afraid to uh, be herself or doesn't really let what others, the opinions of others sway her or anything exactly and this is why it's very important that me and Kerry can offer you guys this insight and uh, this message and this talk with someone like Pia yes you heard it now we are going to call Pia Sandhage and talk about some of her biggest games her career and kind of have a look back at the women's soccer from when she started and how it is today. Welcome to the Oz Coach and King Soccer Podcast Show. Come gather round people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone and if your breath to you is worth saving then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone for the times they are a-changing
Hej Peder, vad öser här? Hur mår du? Jag mår bra. Äntligen så kan vi snacka fotboll. Ja, vi kommer i kontakt med dig innan igen. Ja, det kan vi göra. Ja, det är det bästa. Det är bara att vänta på att vi kommer i kontakt med dig innan igen. Så. Ja. Kul att uh, du ville vara med i våran show. Jag sitter här med uh, Kerry King. <laughs> Kerry, say hi to Pia. Hello, Pia. It's an honor to meet you. Thanks for coming on the show. Pia, I'm a big fan. I'm a really, really big fan of you. What you have done for football, for women's soccer, and uh, all the achievements that you've done on and off the field. I just saw that you, you. I saw that you have been coach at Kolbotten. I just want to open it up quick there. My big brother lives there. It's like a paradise there in Norway, right outside Oslo, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a really beautiful country, Norway. That's true. Definitely, definitely. We, um, me and Kerry, we we are coaching a U11 team here, yeah. girls team. And sometimes I get the question like, "Hey, why are you coaching girls?" And I am like, "That's why I'm coaching." You know, <laughs> that's why I'm coaching. Um, I just want to get a little bit understanding. When did you start playing football? And um, Uh, how did how how was you, how were you introduced to the beautiful ball in your life? You know, I have to uh, throw you back uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, we talk about uh, 1966. <laughs> nice. And um, back then, I was uh, five six years old, and um, I was uh, raised in, in a uh, in a small village, and uh, you know. I have five siblings, but none of them they play play soccer. But for for whatever reason, uh, I wanted to kick the ball with my feet instead of toss the ball with with my hands. Yeah. And uh, neighbors, and you start to play. You know, you do something that is really fun, and and for whatever uh, for whatever reason, I wanted to to play the ball, and uh, we played every day pretty much, and uh, uh, the. the The sad thing about it was, uh, I thought that I was the only girl in the whole world that wanted to play soccer, mm. uh, and it wasn't any such thing back back in the 60s. So, um, but I also wanted to play a real game, uh, and um, uh, when I was young, I had a lot of good adults around me, and um, one of the coaches was saying. Coaching the, the the boys team. Do you want to do do you want to join us? Mm. Of course. That would, you made my day. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have to cheat a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So what I need to do? Uh, well, we just change your first name instead of Pia, which is a girl's name. Uh, we call you Pele. Recognize. <laughs> 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 so uh, I thought it was a great idea, and um, uh, and uh, for two years uh, my name was Pele, and I played. In, in, uh, in the boys team and uh, you know my parents they didn't care as long as I had fun oh. and that was the, the, the oh that's something I learned you know if you enjoy something you do it over and over again and it's good for you oh. uh, and um, after two years I moved to a city and now I'm uh, you know I'm 11 or something like 10 11 and then I play with the women mm. uh, and they were so old uh, and uh, back then they were 20 22 when I was 11 years old and uh, you know I continued to play uh, soccer but every day in school I played with boys so how was your how were your parents 
when you wanted to play soccer? I mean, it sounds like it wasn't that many girls that were playing soccer, football in the world. And and how, like your parents' background a little bit, they were encouraging you because they saw the joy in you? Yeah, we have six kids in the family and we did different things. And the most important thing was, you know, you have to behave. Yeah. And then if you have fun, that's fine, no matter. And you don't have to be like everybody else. Mm. And um, so when I came home and, you know, my name was Pelle, and I was very <laughs> proud of that, you know, because Pelle uh, gave me the chance to play soccer. And they say, okay. Uh, and uh, life went on. And, uh, and again, as long as I had a smile on my face, I did my very best. And, you know, I just want to be a great family member. So, um uh, that was fine, and but when I, you know, back then, they, nobody knew anything about women's soccer, girls' soccer. Yeah. So, um, but a couple of years later, I played with the the the, the women team, and uh, well, I say the same thing. They they're not interested. They are not interested in in, in soccer. Um, my dad was a bus driver, and, and my mom was a waitress. So mm. they had the hands full with the other <laughs> boys and girls, and then sons and daughters and uh, you know and then again as long as you have fun totally so pia tell me did you generally get any any uh you know bad looks or was there any negative sort of atmospheres the fact that you were playing even as a young age that you were playing soccer and did people look at you like what's a girl playing soccer or anything like that well not, not in the very beginning you know mm. they um uh, you know kids they don't care I'm, I'm six, seven years old, and, you know, they changed my name, and here we go. You just play and try to score some goals. And, um, so I couldn't feel it. And um, when I changed school, it was a little bit harder, though, uh, until they found out that I actually was, uh, I'm a girl. And the funny part of it is I was shy, so I didn't dare to ask the boys if I could join them. So I was standing outside the... the small soccer field and I was just juggling with uh, a smaller ball uh, and um, uh, my my teammate uh, at the time I think I'm 10 he came up came up to me and his name is Peter and he was saying well do you play do you play soccer yeah I mm-hmm. do uh, and then he looked at me but you're a girl <laughs> yes I suppose so <laughs> but, but then he, he, he said, well, you can you join us. And, um, uh, you know, I play with boys every single, you know, free time uh, in, in school. So, uh, you know, just I was really proud of to be, you know, someone that is, you know, didn't care if everybody, anybody or uh, thought it was a little weird. Because I think everybody thought that I was a little bit uh, unusual or weird. But... Um, the hardest part was not then. The hardest part was when I, I played my first uh, national team, the full team, when I was 15 years old. Oh, I played wow. against England uh, in Gothenburg. And uh, around when I was 17, 20, when I really wanted to, to be one of the best. And I said, I want to be the best. I want to play in the national team. Then you have some obstacles because they, they, they didn't take me seriously. They didn't take the women's soccer seriously. And we have been fighting for that kind of recognition. And then, well, sooner or later we got it. Well, 
for, for instance, uh, the first European Championship, 84. That was some kind of recognition. And then 91, the World Cup, and then the Olympics, 96. Mm, right. Can I just say, because I love that story that you said at the beginning where you were uh, juggling on this side, just watching the others play, because I can relate. Not, I mean, obviously I'm a boy, but I can relate to that. And I'm sure we aren't the only ones that who are kind of shy because I was a little shy yeah. as younger. And I saw these other kids playing and they look like they're having so much fun, but I wanted to join them. So I do the exact <laughs> same thing. I just stand off to the side with my own ball, <laughs> just juggle, hope that I get noticed. And then they come over and like, hey, you want to play with us? Oh, you try to play it off cool, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, sure. Why not? That, that's how it goes. I think uh, me and my twin brother did the same in Germany once. <laughs> we didn't know the language, anything. We just stood there and then they just pointed their hand. Come, yeah, join us. Exactly. You know? yeah. uh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful when, when you get included like that. And uh, you, we talked to, I think you know who Tomas Nordahl is, right? Yeah, we talked to Tomas Nordahl in our last episode, and he talked about the time when Gunnar left Sweden to pursue his passion and dream, and uh, he got a lot of sticks, and people thought he was silly. So when you when you said that, you know, I have a dr- you know I have a dream. I want to be a professional football player. I want to be um, one of the best. Be one of the best. Um, what was it? Did people think like you were crazy? What are you talking about? Like, who do you yeah. think you are? Is you know, was it like that? And you had to yeah. believe in yourself then to say, you know what, I'm going this path. You know, uh, especially here in Sweden, I would say, yeah, you know, um, the fact that I was dreaming about to be a professional player, uh, uh, there were no such thing back then. I, well, first of all, I didn't know that we were allowed to play soccer mm-hmm. but then eventually uh, you know the, the rumor said there are there are girls in, in Denmark and uh, in Germany and so on and we were fairly early back then in Sweden so but I've always been good at dreaming um, it, it's funny my, my dad said well you need both feet on the ground yeah always mm-hmm. remember where you come from and my mm-hmm. mom said well you can do anything she, she gave me wings you can do whatever you want yeah, as long same. as you pursue it and you work really hard and and meanwhile have some fun as well so they, they raised me like that and and talking about the, the soccer ball i was shy but uh, i've got so so many friends because of this soccer ball and i've been so uh, it's a lot of courage uh with this soccer ball because when I was 24, I 25, I moved to uh, Italy to be a professional player, so 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 to speak. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I, so I, um, I and I uh, was a little bit scared to leaving my country. Right. You know, I love this Sweden and and, and uh, this um, the way I've been raised and uh, mm. uh, but the fact that I got a chance to be a professional and and leave uh, leave Sweden and live in Rome. You know, yeah. even today, it's hard to believe the fact that I, I played in Rome and mm. in the Lazio. The same yeah. thing. I've been in China. I've been in Norway. I've been in the States. Yeah. But that's all thanks to my soccer ball. And, and um, today, I'm not as shy. Uh, and and I know it. You know, if you take a flight to to Los Angeles and it doesn't work out well, I could take the same flight back. So. Mm. Uh, it gave me, I'm comfortable with the ball and, and uh, I always bring it with me. Um, 
and, and back then they thought that I was a little bit weird. But at the same time, you know, that, that uh, great feeling to be around people uh, who, who like the same thing, you know, that yeah. beautiful game, soccer. Uh, can you describe a little bit about your early career? I mean, you would become a very, jumping ahead a bit, you would become a very, very accomplished uh, player in your own rights. Could you describe the early goings of your career in Sweden or even uh, professionally in Rome, Lazio? Yeah, well, I was started, I, I played my first uh, international game against England, that is when I was 15 years old. Uh, and I just continue and play and play and uh, won the Swedish championship and the, the Swedish cup and so forth. And in 84, we won the European championship. And, and for me, that is special because it was a home and away game. Mm-hmm. It was not one final. It was not even a tournament. You played semi-final against Italy, uh, away and home. And I scored a lot of goals. Anyway, so <laughs> we had this game. At home, and uh, we played in Gothenburg, and we won one zero. With I, I have that on on videotape actually. The fact that I, uh, it was a diving header, mm-hmm. and, and the, it was it's just a beautiful goal. Even Abby Wolbach, she thinks it's a beautiful. Goal. <laughs> probably know. Uh, I showed it to her and said, "Well, that's that's pretty good." <laughs> and then when we have a away game, we lost one zero. So it was uh, penalty kicks. And I took the last uh, PK, and they won the European Championship. Oh my God! So, and from there, I've been playing, uh, you know, more finals. And uh, I played when I was 31 years old. I played um, in, in um, the World Cup '91 when US won against Norway, two to one. Aker Stahl, she she scored that little winning goal, uh-huh. I believe. And um, meanwhile, we played against Germany. So Sweden won uh, four, 4 0 against Germany and um, we got the bronze medal. And then we qualified for Olympics in Atlanta. Uh, and after that, I, I was injured and I really tried to continue. I, I am 36 at the time, uh, but I couldn't. So uh, during when I was 20, from 25, I started to take some courses. And now I have the, I have the highest education in soccer so i just continue to coach uh, uh well youth national teams and you know and then after that i i coach in the highest league in sweden and then yeah. i've been assistant coach for china uh, i've been um uh, coach for the u.s for five years and the last five years i've been coaching the swedish national team I mean, it's it's the totally incredible i mean you kept being in the sport for so long and you know um me and Kerry, we played when we were earlier, you know, in the lower divisions. I've been in Sweden and, um, you know, I've moved to China, to Shanghai, and I studied there my master's degree for a year. And it's incredible what China is doing right now in football as well. Um, but how, you know, you know, it's, they have a big investment in the country. They try to get it in the grassroots levels and they're buying a lot of clubs in Europe. Um, and when you went there, uh, I mean, for me, the experience to go to China was like, uh, whoa, this is like a totally new culture, people, mindset, and you kind of have to um, adapt a little bit and also learn, you know what I mean? Uh, how, how was China for you? Because uh, you moved from, you've been in U.S. before as well, but China is totally new experience, isn't it? 
It's true. I, I think that the the challenging thing is communication, of course. Yeah. yeah I still, well, even when I I coached, uh, uh, I was assistant coach for Mark Corian, uh, Philadelphia Charge, and I, I learned a lot of great ex- expressions. You know uh, how to coach in English, and mm. he, he's good with words, Mark. I, I love him to death. That that's a, just a great person. Mm. And uh, then I coached the Boston Breakers, Kristen Lilly, and, and uh, all the big shots. Yeah. After that, even though you know English is uh, is easier than, than going to Chinese and try to play to, to talk their language, yeah. but still you have soccer, you have something in common. So when we when uh, Marika Dumanskulifos and I went over to, to China, um, uh, it, it it was uh, a just. And, but at the same time, there's so many things that was the same. You know, you have two goals, you have two teams, yep. you have uh, warm-up drills, you have technique, you have... So, even though I couldn't speak their language, and I, we had one player that, that could, play, that could uh, speak English, and we have some interpreters as well. But, you know, I, I had a, a drill with, uh, you play four versus two in, in a... A certain drill, and I was running myself, and I showed them mm. using my body language. Yeah, right. and that, that's something I really learned how you know sometimes I speak so loud with my body language, and it's so uh, I want to inspire the players, and that that's become one of my strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, and Krista Lilly, she said at one point, "Your passion for soccer is contagious." And that's exactly what I try to, to show when I'm out there on, on the field. And uh, I don't even speak their language in China. And, and um, even though, uh, I, well, despite that, uh, we had such a good time. And I learned so much from them, the yeah. way they, they solve different problems when we play my 5v2 or whatever. And, but I also taught them certain things. So it, it is beautiful. You can go anywhere in the world. Uh, you know, you can speak soccer and, and many people they do understand totally i like that about the uh body language part when you're coaching because i think oz and i like Oz said we coach uh we coach young girls at the moment and i think that's something that we both find it's so much more beneficial for them once they get to see us do it as well and it's fun for us but uh you t- you much t- you t- ah, you touched on uh uh you know learning to coach the game in english or or the language barriers and whatnot. I know the likes of when you went back to coach in Sweden in the top division there. The likes of Christine Lilly, Kate Margraf uh, accompanied you, if I'm not mistaken. And was there any any difficulties with them learning the Swedish language, or did they pretty much were they able to stick to English the entire time? Well, uh, they they hardly learned Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> To, to speak English and learn even more. So in that locker room, we, we, uh, we spoke English mm. uh, and uh, they learned some words like thank you or hello or goodbye or whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to they, teach they, that they, to Kerry too. You know, not be able to stay for, for if, it, if they didn't stay for two, three, four years, that's different. But mm. uh, they stayed a couple of months and, and uh, played for Erebro. So, so um, yeah. Erebro is my hometown, and um, um, I know you know um, Lisa Dahlqvist very well. Um, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and Lisa is actually from the same club that I used to play in Adosper in Örebro. And uh, I remember when uh, Lisa was... Um, now she's a, a couple of years older than me, right? But I remember that she was also playing with boys at a young age. And she was basically with the same age, I mean, same level with them. Um, what was incredible with Lisa was that a good you know passer you know she was good passing dedicated really working hard really wanted to win and uh, it's that kind of how uh, you see the evolution a little bit in the women's soccer like it's a little bit more uh, passionate a little bit more like now it's more winning mentality in it a little bit more passing technical tactical uh, how has it been the evolution a little bit to up to when, I guess, you know, when Lisa came up or even now? <laughs> well, well, I think uh, from the very beginning, I'm, I'm, you know, even in the 60s, I think yeah. uh, we had that at, at uh, the same time because it's so much passion in just playing soccer. True. Now, what would have happened is we were allowed, first of all, in Sweden said, well, girls, they don't want to play. And then we grew and become, uh, became became a people movement almost, mm-hmm. and um, they had they had to you know just recognize us, which they did. And then they said, "Well, you shouldn't because bad knees and they have all kinds of um, bad arguments uh, and uh, not that much research." So we just continued to play, and then they said, "Well, you, you, you're not good enough." And that, that's really hard because they uh, they yes, uh, compared yeah. us with the men's, mm-hmm. and you don't do that if you other sports. But in, in, in soccer, they they that's that's my life. Now yeah. I've been asked, uh, "What well, are you are you good?" Well, I play in the national team. Well, would you think um, how could you uh, play with the Division Three men? Yeah. So in order to to evaluate something good or bad. Uh, it always compared with with a man, which I think is a little bit unfair. Mm. But what is what is interesting is uh, you know little by little, uh, it's been a lot of uh, improvements, development, and everything's been so much better. I think the heart has been there all the time. Yeah. Uh, the biggest difference nowadays compared to when I played was uh, now you can be professional. I had mm-hmm. to go to Italy, and even though I I was a professional player. It was not the 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 environment wasn't professional like it's today. Um, and today you can make some money even though you a woman. Yeah. And uh, uh, we have players, you know, been in, in uh, you know in the states you can make some money. But even you go go to Lyon or to uh, Wolfsburg or mm. yeah, and you can be professional player. So that that kind of uh, you determined you 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 are dedicated to 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 soccer. Uh, you I know see. you have you don't have to choose when you're twenty. Back then you had yeah. to choose whether you should. Well, maybe I could get a better job. Yeah. You know, I'm working with a computer or I'm working with as a nurse. Yeah. Uh, and then you have to choose whether you had another practice or not. Mm. But today you could be a professional player, and of course now you. We have more practices, you train more, and of course you improve your game. And you can also now see a little bit the future as well. I mean, you can dream about, like you said, Lyon, there's PSG, 
you have clubs like Chelsea and Manchester City. They're really like going into the uh, women's soccer and it's growing very fast. Arsenal, so, man. Arsenal's women is one of the best. See? See? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's growing very fast. So I, I guess if you are like 16, 17, um, it's not just Al-Svenskan. But I remember a time when, uh, I mean, it's, I get Al-Svenskan still is one of the best leagues in the world. But there was a time where like almost all the stars were in uh, Al-Svenskan, you know, uh, like Marta, um, you know, Umeå was big. They were winning a lot of European champion, I mean, Champions League. It was a amazing, interesting time when Hanna Jungbe, Victoria Svensson and Marta, they all came. Um, do you remember that time very well when you felt like, wow, we have, now we have like, even Sweden has a really good league and it's growing very fast. Do you remember that time? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's um it's been improving, and I, I remember when um, uh, this is two thousand one. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I take the chance to work for Marco Corey at the time, but here in Europe there's a European Championship and the final played by uh, Germany versus Sweden, mm. and the next year uh, we have the Championship. Well, um, the and we have um, uh, women's championship uh, and uh, Umeå. They are yeah. they are really good with mm-hmm. Anna Jungberg, Molly Moström, uh, and a couple of more players. Uh, and then they won the uh, Champions League. They won the Champions League uh, with Swedish players. They have only two players from Finland. Okay. And back then, I think. Uh, well, at least we said this is the best league in the world. Yeah, and uh, we we had good, uh, you know, organizations and and uh, uh, many of the good players they came. Marta came here, for instance. Yeah, uh, Bachmann. We have many, many players. Many. Uh, what then happened was we had too many foreign players. Mm. That that was a problem because. Um, I think um, we got a lot of money uh, to the league, but instead of uh, invest the money in each club yeah. with the organization, I think some of the players got well, way too much money, okay. to be honest. And uh, little by little, we had um, the, the Bundesliga just growing and became so much better. And now we have the French League. Yeah. Um, so they are rated us the third. Uh, but uh, I just read about the, the league in, in England. Mm-hmm. It will be very, very interesting how they will improve their league and develop and, and you know make some changes. So right now we struggle a little bit in Sweden. Yeah. I think it's uh, now that the, the foreigner players, they, they go back to other countries that play in Germany or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we don't have Swedish players on important positions. Uh, if you look at the midfield, for instance, yeah. uh, you know, dictate the tempo. Or, yeah. uh, they, um, there we have very often the clubs, they have a foreigner players and so on. So we have, uh, you know, a couple of steps back. and, and uh, But I think we have a great history. So I think we can get back there if we just uh, try to regroup and, and, and make some changes and, and start to uh, look at what, what's specialities do we have in Sweden yeah. because we do have great young players no doubt about that yeah. and what about in the US Pia and uh, around the same time or around early 2000s there was the 
um, introduction of the WUSA, uh, which was which was beneficial for a lot of American players here. Um, and I know it had trouble difficulties towards the end, but how about growth of the women's leagues here in the U.S.? I think uh, the U.S. has been so important for the women's development in, in the world. Uh, first of all, they won the, the, the World Cup 9-1. Yeah. Uh, and then they continued to to make sure that they could, um, you know, uh, be on the highest level. And um, just to be around players like uh, Abby Womba, Krista Rampone, Kate McGrath, uh, Megan Rapino, mm. my favorite, Tobin Heath, Collie Lloyd, Hope Solo, mm. all these players... They have done some, and still do, a lot of good things. Uh, they they uh, are successful on the highest level. So here in Europe, we talk about the U.S. team like something, here you have one of the best players. Now, you need a league as well. And um, hopefully, and, and it seems like they re- such so much more successful with this league compared yeah. with the other two. Mm. And that is important because you have so many girls in, in, in the U.S., uh, if you look at the college soccer, uh, who need a place to play. And uh, if you can find, you continue with the league and um, instead of just play uh, yeah. during school time and then you have to stop because then no or you have to go to Europe. Now you can stay in your country and you can compete for a spot on the highest level. So... What's happening in the U.S. Uh, always been the case, and especially nowadays, I think it's very important for, for the women's game. Um, because whatever's happening there, you know, I listen to the Germans, mm-hmm. they want to create something and, and you know, uh, they want the Olympics. Right. Uh, they really want to win the Olympics again. And in order to do that, they, they need a, a great league. Um, and what I, everything I heard about the, the, what's happening in England today. Yeah. It's so interesting. So the women's game today, it's uh, it's growing so fast. So you really need to update yourself. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just old. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, when we do this All Scotch and King Soccer Podcast show, we feel like, um, you know, we talk about the soccer news, what's happening in the Europe and... Um, we, you know, we can understand that, yeah, we talk almost like too much about the, the men's soccer. So that's why we want to have more from, uh, you know, soccer players, soccer coaches like yourself that can come in. And uh, it's also a challenge, um, you know, marketing wise. But that's why it's good what England is doing. Like these teams are really supporting their woman's side you know yeah. and promoting it um you you know something we all dream about right uh when we grow up and uh, yeah. i think i had yeah and, and, and i think um yeah, when look at the women's game i think it's so important you know when we say here in, in europe football yeah we say soccer many many people they uh, think about the men's soccer it's the same thing here in sweden still but I think it's so important that you add something good to the men's soccer, so to speak. Because for, for many reasons, I just say fair play. If, if you look at that word, mm-hmm. um, those words, they are so important. 
to make the, the, the game still clean. I'm really proud of all the games I've, I've been coaching and playing. It's really fair play. If you look, in, in Europe, we have sometimes problems with the crowds, their, their violence. You don't see that when women play. And I've been on Maracana, I've been on, on uh, Wembley. Mm. We have 80,000 people watching USA versus uh, Japan. Right. Uh, and uh, it's just a, a, a big uh, party. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the other thing is that's important with the women's game for the society is if I'm, you know, if I, you know, I'm a girl, I'm a 10 years old and I can, I can, I can have my role model. I, I can look at uh, some, I want to be like her. It doesn't have to be a, a boy or a man. So when I was young, I had Cruyff, mm. Pelé, Beckenbauer, three men. Uh, today you, you you can have Marta, you can have Carly Lloyd, you can yeah. have you can have so many different female players, and they they are really good role models. I think. What about the challenges? Just to open up generally, the general challenges of uh, of coaching in the women's game when compared to the men. For example, the uh, the recent World Cup in Canada, there was obviously big controversy over the use of artificial turf. Uh, have you find found other difficulties like that? What do you think of those challenges? Well, I've gone through a couple of, of challenges. Uh, if you look at uh, fields and practice time, you know, you want to practice certain time, but uh, if you have uh, girls and boys or men and women in the same club, uh, in general, all, all, always the men, they, they choose first the, the, the time they want to practice. It's about... Uh, if you make a decision for the club, uh, they know so much more about the men's team compared to the women's team. Mm. Sometimes they make uh, the wrong decision. Uh, and sometimes they forget uh, the, the girls <laughs> and the women. Uh, and of course, you have the media. Um, uh, you know, you can watch a men's team every day here in Sweden if you want to. And they have big crowds, uh, most of them at least. Uh, <laughs> But that's not the case with uh, with uh, women. Even though we won the Olympics uh, silver medal yeah. last year, yeah. and still it's so hard to get that uh, that support continuously uh, in the clubs. So the crowds are still not that big, and that's something I don't know why. Yeah. But that's something uh, all the clubs need, need to work on to make sure that they have some some structure or some ideas. How could we uh, you know, make the the, the stands, you know, more crowds. Mm. Because that will be, be good for, for, for media and that will also create a lot of opportunities, I think. Totally. I mean, the financial part of it to sustain a healthy team, right? In players, yeah. in, True. In, you know, that's very important. And also commercial from sponsorships and etc. Um and and uh, what, now when we're talking about a little bit about like a healthy healthiness, um, I'm very curious about a winning team, the components, the factors that is behind a winning team. You have won two Olympic gold medals, and we all dream about winning medals, right? And uh, you as a coach, taking care of a big group, right? And uh, what you know? What is your style, or what do you see if you can compare these two teams in uh, the winning 
atmosphere or environment or if are the similarities well um i start um i've been in, in three finals yeah. uh with the us and the swedish team mm. and um uh, there are certain things that are common the, the, for for both teams even though all the different cultures they have in common but the first thing i do is uh i i try to work with uh, the coaching staff the staff behind the, the the team behind the team so to speak okay Five staff, they are so important for me. Uh, I need different kinds of people and should be like me uh, and they should be specialized in certain things. So, for instance, you need a goalkeeper because I'm not good at goalkeeping. But you have all these components and make sure that we look at the same goal and we respect each other. Uh, and uh, I really have to recognize my weaknesses okay. and my strengths. So if I can delegate my weaknesses, you have assistant coach or whoever. I work with Jill Ellis, and she was just phenomenal. Right. Uh, or Erica Walsh, um, also phenomenal. And uh, they, they well, things that I wasn't good at, I could delegate to them. And uh, that's one thing. I start with that. And then mm-hmm. uh, to decide which way we're going to go to, which way we're going to take to reach that goal okay and uh, they have to respect that and, and there are two things I, I talk about yeah we create our own environment we have to be generous it's not only me it's uh, everyone in the room and we're different and we can contribute in different ways and in order to do that I need to give them space I also need to respect them and, and make sure that I I'm there and then and pay attention. I think that is really important. One, the other thing is I have players saying that, you know, I'm good at this. Um, and uh, sometimes I say, what's in it for me? Which is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. But they need to ask another question. What could I do for you? They need to turn to the teammates and say, what could I do for you? Okay. Because, so if I look, they, they should see themselves and, and uh, I ask a lot of questions. Uh, are you proud of this, the way you behave? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this the way you want to do it? Because I still have the power to to uh, to to decide which way you're going to take. Right. Uh, if somebody should describe the team, what do you want them to, to say about the team? Uh, and um, need to be accountable. And I do believe that they can. Okay. I give them a lot of chances. Uh, and, and that's my job to make sure that that, that they grow, but they I can't do it. They have to do it. And sometimes, uh, and I'm very positive. My glass is half full. Mm-hmm. And I have positive eyes. Excellent. Uh, positive glasses. But at some some point, you just put down your foot. This is not good enough, because you do have unwritten rules, so to speak. And um, if uh, that's my experience, uh, reaching those three finals, it's about, I think we can do it. And mm. if you do a little bit more of this, instead of trying to, this is not good enough too often, I, uh, I try to do the other way around. Well, you did it this way. Could you explain how, how was it and try to analyze a positive situation? And um, I've done that uh, with all my teams in different ways, of course, but uh, to, to, to bring out the best in each player because I really believe that they, if they really try, 
Mm-hmm. Well, they can do it. And if they can't do it, they can reach out to a teammate. Um, so in that team, you need to be generous. I am generous, I think. But I also need people around me that are generous. And in all this, it's all about soccer. So I start with wall pass or yeah. shot on goals or, or defending or you know on the right side of the ball. Right. I mean, I feel like we're going to win now in <laughs> our next tournament for sure. Uh, all right, Pia, I want to take you to, I believe it was August 6th. August 6th, 2012. 2012, Pia. Uh, <laughs> Old Trafford with an Olympic semifinal between the U.S. and Canada, which was, for me, one of the best games of soccer I've seen, most exciting games of soccer I've seen ever. And <laughs> can you just describe how you know the whole atmosphere during that game and i mean it's it's last minute goal and the u.s has won you've been in charge of the u.s uh, uh a couple times where they've won big last minute goals i can think of one more in 2011 um <laughs> but that game that game against canada in at old trafford was just utterly phenomenal game well it's it's um you know, when I describe, I, sometimes I get the, 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 answer, the, the question, so what is the biggest moment in your life? Mm. Uh, and I've been on, on different uh, stadiums. I, I usually pick the quarterfinal 2011. Mm. U.S. against uh, Brazil. Uh, Brazil yeah. On Abby Warmback. She scores that beautiful goal in the 122nd minute, and we win on penalty kicks. Yeah. But this, this game in 2012 is similar. Uh, it is Alex Morgan scoring uh, the winning goal. What what is what is special with this game is it's Canada. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> I I can't feel that that kind of competition. Your neighbor, I can't feel that. Uh, but I could see that the players had that kind of feeling getting out there on the field. Oh yeah. And, and very often uh, we beat Canada, and you know you want to beat your neighbor. Uh, your little brother or whatever yeah uh, we've been so successful and um, uh, for me I could feel that the, the tense in there uh, playing that big game and uh, of course when when we win and, and play the final it's, it's a huge moment um, it's it's the same thing in 2008 we, we played in the quarterfinal and it's a break for an hour and a half. We won zero up against Canada, mm. and um, and uh, you know it's it's a thunderstorm, and the players are just wonderful because they take care of that environment. They 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 take uh, they are responsible for the environment. They make they sing and they have uh, such a good time in there. I'm not doing anything. I let them be in charge of the locker room. Uh, that's another moment, and I could tell Canada is something special. Now here we are four years later in, in, in a semi-final. Uh, you know, after that, it's, it's such a good moments of telling everybody how it was. Uh, you described the goals and, and, uh, and <laughs> the, the fact that it was Canada. It was huge. And, and reaching the, 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 another final, that was a big moment. I had to uh, 2016 now, just moving along the Olympics, and you've now with Swedish national team, and you faced the U.S. in the what was it the quarterfinals? Quarterfinals. Um, was that 
special at all for you being so successful with the U.S. and then coming up against them with your home country? Uh, was it special at all playing or coaching in that game and then beating the U.S.? Oh, oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> um, there is, uh, I think we have a pretty good, Sweden has a pretty good record against U.S. Mm. Uh, those five years. And um, when I told the players, we had a good start because when we played, we tied China and we stayed at the same hotel. Meanwhile, U.S., they had to travel. And that's brutal. Yeah. But we stayed at the same. I think that's a, one of a winning factor, the fact that we didn't have to travel. So what happened after the game, I said, we, we're going to play the quarterfinal. People were happy. And I said, you know what? We're going to stay. People were even more happier. And I said, you know, we're going to play U.S. And they were sharing <laughs> because they they have decided that we're going to win the quarterfinal. And, mm. and uh, that was encouraging a lot of confidence you really want to win that game. Now, you know, in U.S., they came to hotel, and I know most of the players yeah. and the coaches, and, and it is special before the game and after the game. During the game, it's it's, it's a game. Yeah. So um, uh, we are uh, we we went into this tournament by, by saying we want to do something that no Swedish team had done before, uh, and that is to win a medal. And in order to do that, you need to win the quarterfinal. Totally. So we were on our toes. We had a lot of confidence and uh, a great atmosphere. So, and, and of course, we were lucky. Uh, I think if you look at the statistics, U.S. had more chances. Um, whether they played better than we, mm, I doubt that. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, yeah, depend on what is good and what's bad. Absolutely, but, yeah. Uh, we were smart enough to... to uh, play in such a way that we actually uh, you know, got the, the penalty kicks and mm-hmm. uh, mentally strong player like Lisa Dahlqvist yeah. and her smile before she <laughs> the, the, the last PK it's something that is, uh, that is one of the moment, best moments of my life yeah um, mine too so actually <laughs> you really want to be a winner yeah I remember before that game uh Ozer told me about this once he told me about Lisa Dahlquist. So that was the first time I've actually I actually saw her play. And he said, "Watch this girl. She's she's going to do something special." And I'm like, "All right, sure, if you say so." Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she certainly did it. Um, it made and- me so proud, to be honest. Yeah. Like, made me so proud to watch that game. And you know, I was the only one here with a Swedish jersey <laughs> and cheering for the game. Everybody looked at me like. Hey man, get out of here now! I'm like, no, we're gonna celebrate this, and um, yeah. Uh, uh, I was just gonna move on um, a bit faster now, but to uh, the final, though. the final, yeah, exactly. The I final. mean, I managed to knock out host country Brazil, which Woo! must have been amazing in the semifinal, and then up in the final at the Americana, oh <laughs> legendary Americana, yes. up against Germany, Sweden, Germany. And can I say, while listening to you talk, I get the sense that. Sweden and Germany seem to have played each other quite often. So many times. In big, I mean, I know they also in the final of 2003 World Cup, I believe. Um, what is it about Germany that Sweden just keeps coming up against them? Well, uh, it's, it's a long story. I, you know, before this European Championship, uh, we played the first, uh, very first game. Um, uh, we looked back and we hadn't won uh, against Germany in a competition since uh, 91 when i played mm. 
Wow. Well, that was a long time ago. There's something where they're winning. I think uh, compared Germany to U.S., they have a winning record. So if it's uh, you know uh, it's a tie or it's uh, uh, we talk about luck, they create their luck right. because uh, like usually they they used to win, and mm-hmm. that is something that you bring with you in the game. It's if 85th minute, and, and you know uh, it's funny because I've been there with the U.S. team. I've been when it's it's just a couple of more minutes. And you look at uh, Abby Wombach, for instance. Yeah. She can't believe that she's losing. She can't. So, so there's something, and I think that is contagious. And, and um, if you have a winning record, like uh, U.S. and like Germany, uh, that helps quite a bit when it's, it's a tie and it's uh, it's last minutes in the game. Um, the, the I would say that that played in in this game. Uh, the final, but uh, uh, that's one thing. The other thing is uh, a wonderful player, a uh, German player, Manu Jean. Mm. We, we don't have that kind of player, and uh, she's the one that just could win the game for you. And, and she did, with her reading the game, uh, her technique, and she stepped up when, when, it, you know, when they needed it. And um, I think she was the difference between uh, Sweden and Germany at the time. Oh, yeah, I mean th- that just to make it to the final in that way, man, is big success. Um, I mean, I wouldn't just I wouldn't want to be. Uh, you normally, once you're winning a game against anyone, yeah, you'd be thrilled. You're yeah. winning the game. Uh, just hold on a bit more, and you yeah. got this. I'd be ecstatic. Uh, but I don't think I'd be more scared of ha- holding a lead against a player like Abby Wambach <laughs> or anyone from the US or, or Germany because <laughs> I feel I'll be the, under the most threat then. Um, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> what about this most recent uh, European Championships, Pia? How, what was the experience like? Because we watched it. I watched it. and uh, you In know, the Netherlands. In yeah. the Netherlands, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, as a fan, um, yeah, to be quite honest, I was disappointed pointed right that we didn't get the results that we wanted and uh, fans can get disappointed um you know i felt like um yeah to be honest i felt like uh the other teams have been are a little bit faster now they're more technical a little bit more offense and you know faster and um yeah, I was a little disappointed. We had, a, I had a big hopes that we could really achieve something big, and uh, I got kind of want to hear from you as the leader in that team. How mm-hmm. you, what's your take? You know, um, there is a, an easy explanation actually. When, when you, um, because Sweden has not, uh, you know, in the last twenty years or whatever, won two medals in a row. Okay. So the fact that we came back from Brazil with a silver medal and then tried to uh, win a medal next year, that is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, you, um, uh, I, th- I thought that the opponents were a little bit more hungry yeah. uh, than the Swedish players yeah. because they are not faster. It's okay. not that they are clever or, or, you know, but it's that so important when you play on the highest level. It's such a small 
difference between uh, failure and a success. Right. So um, the, the fact they had a good start, uh, I think, against Germany, mm-hmm. and then we won against Russia. Uh, I thought oh, that was uh, pretty good. And then uh, we rested a couple of players against Italy, and that was just a bad game, yeah. unfortunately. But still, we, we had a chance to play at quarterfinal. But um, um, we, if we, if we put it like this, we had we were lucky 2016. We were not lucky 2017. Yeah. Because you have you know Stina Blastienia, she yeah. has a breakaway, or Fridolina Rolf. Yeah. She had the, the whole you know goal in front of her, but totally. she couldn't score. Yeah. We had really hard time to to score some goals. Yeah. And I think that that. Uh, if you look back at the last game, we never scored a lot of goals, and I think that catched up uh, right now. When uh, you know it, it will be hard to score a goal, and mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, a little bit uh, it hounded uh, us. And and uh, and and then again, I will not take away the, the performance from the Netherlands. Right, they were good. They were good. Know? Yeah, they were. They were very and good. Uh, yeah. a little bit. It was a little bit easier for for us the fact that the Netherlands they won the gold medal, mm-hmm. so we were sent off from the quarterfinal of those who won the, the gold medal. Yeah. Right. Um, and they had a and, big uh, backup from yeah, the fans that's too. A little bit easier to take that loss, but still, it is we we could have played better. I think we could have. Uh, uh, been a little more sharp in the box, for instance, and we we a little that grid a little bit more each step, each tackle, each runs in the box. But uh, this is how it is. Sometimes it goes well, sometimes it don't. How do you handle that? How do you handle a uh, disappointment or you know because you, you I I can imagine you. Since you said that you are a dreamer, right? And you think mm. positive and uh, I'm sure you working with visualizations and try to picture your team and the players winning the medal. Um, and when it's not happening, it's, um, it's tough, surely. Tough, right? So how do you, what's, how do you handle that? Well, um, I throw it back to the the World Cup 2015, okay. where it didn't go well. We were kicked off out by by Germany, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know it, it's painful. Yeah, it's hard to describe, but it's it's painful. It's physically painful. But I allow myself to be really sad uh, mm. and devastated. However, after a while, you need I I we need just a little bit of a time. And then it goes up to, to your brain and you start to analyze. And it's not that bad because when you do, in 2015, we have a chance to do better next year. So uh, whatever didn't work 2015, we could do differently 2016. Absolutely. And, and um, very careful with the analyze and, uh, you know, pr- we did some great priorities, you know, going forward. Uh, and uh, you know, it's it's not only I, I will never evaluate myself if you just look at the results, even though I had a pretty good record. But I would never do that. It's all about performance. Okay. So I can I can only say 2011 when um, uh, when we lost against Japan, US. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought we were the better team. 2012, I think Japan was the better team. 
Hmm. So I'm really proud of the fact that we're playing well. Now, 2015-2016, we had a chance to do better. But this year, that mm-hmm. was harder because I'm not longer the, 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 the national coach for, for Sweden. So uh, now some Peter Ayrton is taking over. And that is harder because I would like to do, you know, go back. We could do differently the next time. But there is no next time. Exactly. So that has been harder, I think. But at the same time, you know, when I look at how we played against Germany, how we prepared for Germany uh, and even Russia. Uh, so there are spells in each game. And I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of just look at the performance, not so much 2-0, 4-0, or uh, 0, whatever the result is. That, that's how I survive, because okay. soccer is so much more than gold medals. Mm. Soccer is a complex uh, sport where you can bring out the best performance in each other, like a team. And when it works... I'm the happiest guy in the world. Mm. So um, that is that's something. It's about the game, the, the rhythm, uh, when it's uh, fast, when it's tough, or, or a flank play, or whatever. That's how I survive. That was beautiful. Yes. Um, I'd love to end it right there because that was a perfect way to end it. But I have to ask, what are you doing now? What do you do to now that you're no longer coach of Sweden? What do you do now for fun? <laughs> uh, I'm actually writing uh, analyzed reports uh, uh, this year for Euro, and um, I'm, I'm figuring out my next step mm. in 2018, uh, and uh, a little bit free time, and, and look back on, on uh, good old days, Yeah, <laughs> see what the future has in it. So it's still interesting to take a new coaching job? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's going to be great to follow your continuous career, Pia. Um, we both are big fan for everything that you've done for women's soccer and soccer in general. Yeah. And um, coming on Oscar and King Soccer Podcast Show to share your experiences. I mean, it, it means a lot that you take your time, you know. It means a lot for us and inspires us to continue with our coaching and our dreams in our podcast to continue cover soccer news in different ways um to finish it off uh we would like to ask you a favor and um when you want the best uh coach in the world you 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 went up on that stage you had all the superstars on the game ronaldo's and all you name it right and you're so cool like you're so cool <laughs> and always like in interviews you are yourself and that is admirable, you know, and uh, that's something, we, you know, we all wish everyone can be. It's not easy, right? Um, well, yeah, that's the best thing I could do, be myself. So can you be yourself and do a favor for us to finish this <laughs> podcast by singing a song for us or for all our listeners? I'd be more than happy to <laughs> sing <laughs> a song. <laughs> throwing myself in 2018 and that would be come gather around people wherever you roam and admit that waters around you have grown and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone if your time to you is worth saving 
Then you both start swimming or you sink like a stone for the times they are changing. Thank you you so much, Pia. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, well, thank you for having me. We wish you you complete luck in your future. Good, good luck you too. Thank you. Bye. Come gather round, people, wherever you roam, and admit that the waters around you have grown. And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone And if your breath to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are a-changing Come writers and critics who prophesize with your pen Keep your eyes wide, the chance won't come again And don't speak too soon, for the wheel's still in spin And there's no telling who that it's naming For the loser now will be later to win Cause the times, they are a change No problem, no problem. Come mothers and fathers throughout the land And don't criticize what you can't understand Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command Your old roads are rapidly aging Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand Cause the time